true crime fans. I'm your host, Teeth. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Hello, everybody. Uh, Today's case was recommended by somebody who did not include their name and they didn't reply with their name. So thank you to whoever that person is for recommending today's case. Sorry, this one's out a little late. Heath and I just got back from a really great family trip in Oregon. Um, his dad broke his ankle while we went camping. Yeah, it was the most interesting camping trip of my life. <laughs> yeah. And then we went to the Oregon coast and it was just really nice to spend time with my dad and Heath's parents. And so uh, we just couldn't get this episode out in time. But um, thank you for your patience. And uh, do we have anything else today? I don't think we have any other announcements. So I guess let's just <laughs> dive into this one. All right, guys, this is episode 328 of Going West. So let's get into it. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In September of 2016, a 24-year-old woman's body was found burning in the woods in a kiddie pool near a lake in Grapevine, Texas. She was last seen visiting a bar in search of a job. And after police reviewed the surveillance video from her visit, they saw her speaking to her killer. And as it turned out, he had a history of stalking. This is the story of Jacqueline Vandegrift. Jacqueline Ray Vandegrift, who went by Jackie, so that's what we're going to call her today, was born on March 4th, 1992 in Carrollton, Texas. In addition to Carrollton, which is a suburb of Dallas, Texas, the family lived in Frisco, Texas and The Colony, Texas, which is just outside of Dallas. That's an interesting name for a town, The Colony. Yeah, The Colony. 
So Jackie joined Sonia and Rick Vandegriff, and she had an older sister named Jenny. More than anything, Jackie was remembered for her kindness. And according to her family, her greatest passion in life was to help others realize their own unique beauty and talents and to lift them up in the process. Like, she lived to cheer on others. Friends remember her as bubbly and social and said that she never met a stranger, having a knack for making everybody feel included. Jackie had a respect and appreciation for all animals. She was a vegetarian for most of her life, and she advocated for no-kill shelters. As a kid, Jackie loved to read, especially the Harry Potter books, and was extremely physically active. Like, for example, she competed in statewide gymnastics competitions and at the World Olympics Gymnastics Association. She was also a gifted singer and had even performed the national anthem at local sporting events. Jackie loved musicals, especially the 90s classic Rent. And after attending Wakeland High School in Frisco, Texas, she settled on a career as an esthetician and studied cosmetology at the Paul Mitchell School. However, when that kind of left her feeling a bit unfulfilled, she decided to return to school and pursue a degree in nutrition and food science with a focus on wellness. She enrolled in Texas Women's University and moved near campus to Denton, Texas, which is about 30 minutes from where she had been living in Frisco, so not far at all. And at Texas Women's University, or TWU, Jackie was regarded as a bright, passionate, and hardworking student. And by the way, Denton is a college town with about 150,000 people located right on the shores of the Lewiston Lake within the Dallas-Fort Worth metropolitan area. So in addition to her studies, Jackie worked at restaurants for extra money as she finished up her degree. In the summer of 2016, 24-year-old Jackie was a junior at TWU and was in search of a new job as a bartender. On the evening of Sunday, September 13th, 2016, Jackie was strolling through downtown Denton and just dropping off her resume at various bars and restaurants in the area. And around 8 p.m., Jackie popped into Fry Street Public House, which is a bar and restaurant on Avenue A in Denton, located next to a few other businesses. Now, during the week, it's more of a sports bar with multiple TVs for games, but on the weekends, it turns into a nightclub. Inside, Jackie approached the female bartender to ask if they were hiring, and she also dropped off her resume. Now, there have been some sources that say that she actually had been on a date nearby that night, but that it ended pretty quickly and that she kind of wandered into another bar to kind of salvage the evening. But this has not been confirmed. So as Jackie stood there just chatting it up with the female bartender, a patron seated at the bar with a drink joined their conversation as well. This man was becoming a regular at Fry Street. He was heavily tattooed, he was fit, and always polite to the staff and he seemed to be liked by the employees. So that evening, he happened to be sitting at the bar by himself, but a few onlookers claimed it seemed as if he had been waiting for someone. Surveillance footage captured his first interactions with Jackie, in which he appeared charming, friendly, and even a bit flirtatious. And at one point, he actually touched her gently on the arm while the two laughed. At some point that evening, Jackie even tweeted, quote, I'm glad I decided to get off of Tinder and walked into a bar. After Jackie, the bartender and the man seated at the bar all chatted for about an hour. The bartender's shift ended, and the three left Fry Street Public House after that. Jackie asked the bartender if she wanted to join her and her new friend at another bar, but the bartender was just kind of tired after her shift, and she declined. 
But Jackie and the man hit it off so well that they decided to head down the street to another bar. They popped into Shots and Crafts, which was on the same street, just one minute away from Fry Street. Now, while seated at the bar there, Jackie and the young man began talking to a group of women. When it started raining outside and it was nearing around 10 p.m., the group said their goodbyes and then they just headed out. By the next morning, Jackie had already been found deceased. Like, it happened so quickly that she hadn't even been reported missing yet. Early on the morning of Monday, September 14th, 2016, maintenance workers in a park in Grapevine, Texas, which is about 35 minutes from Denton, spotted some smoke. Now there, inside Acorn Woods Park, was a charred and melted blue rubber kiddie pool with what looked like charred human remains inside. The workers immediately put out the fire and called 911 to report this obviously very bizarre and disturbing finding. And their suspicions were correct because they were in fact human remains inside that kiddie pool, burned beyond recognition. Now initially, officers couldn't even tell if the victim had been a man, a woman, or a child. And meanwhile, Jackie's roommates noticed that she hadn't come home the night prior. When police cross-checked the fingerprints between those found on the pool and Jackie's, you know, after she was reported missing, they were a match. While investigators scrambled to put together her final movements in the evening prior to her death, Jackie's body was taken for an autopsy. And the medical examiner's report revealed horrifying details about what had happened to her in the final moments of her life. Before her death, Jackie had sustained stab wounds to her midsection and blunt force trauma to her head. But ultimately, due to her broken hyoid bone and the bruising around her neck, her cause of death was determined to be strangulation. But the most disturbing aspect of her murder was what happened to her after her demise. So her murderer had partially dismembered her and had cut open her chest and removed her heart. And then after that, she was wrapped in garbage bags and put in the kiddie pool before being left in the park. And I mean, this is just insanely brutal. Like, it's one thing to be the type of person who is capable and interested in taking another person's life, but another to be able to mutilate somebody like this and take their heart out of their chest. Like, jeez. I mean, you just have to be one sick fucker to be able to do something like that to another human being. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously... It's kind of hard because this does feel a little personal, you know? And it does, yeah. It does feel quite intimate. So then you would imagine that maybe her killer is somebody that she already knew, but we're going to get into that. So, of course, right away, police were frantic to figure out who had done this to Jackie and why. Because until they did, this monster would just be out on the streets and be able to do it to somebody else. When retracing her final steps that evening... It seemed as if Jackie's last few hours were spent in those two bars on Avenue A and Denton, and that her companions were all new friends that she had made that very evening. They specifically zeroed in on the man that she had been with, seeing that the two had left together, and they had no video footage of Jackie after that. But at least they had that footage. They you had know? something, right. So, like, that's crazy helpful in this case. However, her cell phone data did show that she had been on the move until around 1.30 a.m. on the morning that her body was found. So it's after she left the bar, it's, uh, there was, they were obviously out doing something else. 
So Jackie's cell phone connected to four different cell phone towers along US Highway 377 and I-35. Now from where she was last spotted in Denton, Jackie, or at least Jackie's phone, headed south to Hazlitt, which is a northern suburb of Fort Worth, Texas. Now this journey would have taken about 40 minutes. Jackie's phone last struck a cell phone tower along the route at 1.30 a.m. But between this ping and when she and this mysterious man left shots and crafts in Denton, police just couldn't account for her whereabouts. Police also couldn't locate her phone. But eerily, although Jackie had already been found deceased, on September 15th, 2016, the day after her body was recovered, she, or somebody, tweeted, quote, Never knew I could feel like this. God, that's so weird. So creepy. Police now believe that whomever had murdered her had been using her phone in an attempt to convince her friends and family that she was still alive. And like, what an idiot, because by the time you tweeted that, she had already been found a day earlier. Like, Yeah, he's just trying to cover his tracks, but ultimately he's, he's a just dumbass. Make, he's just making it worse. Yeah, stupid, stupid person. So while this is unknown, it's possible that the tweet from the evening of her murder that read, quote, I'm glad I decided to get off Tinder and walked into a bar may have been sent by her killer as well, posing as Jackie. So investigators' first step was to track down her companions from the bar, obviously. Now, initially, they were only able to identify the women who were in the second bar, which uh, is Shots and Crafts, with Jackie and her new friend. In a stroke of good fortune, when these women were questioned, one of them actually knew the identity of the man who was with Jackie. That's really, really convenient here. I know. So this woman had been talking with him about her fitness goals, and he had given her his business card because he worked as a fitness instructor and trainer. So the man with Jackie that night was a 30-year-old trainer and bartender named Charles Bryant. He also happened to live in Hazlitt, Texas, which, as Heath told us, was the location of Jackie's final phone ping. So in addition to bringing him in for questioning, the police were able to serve his home with a search warrant. And while they attempted to unravel the evening's events with Charles, another team of investigators was at his house, just combing every inch of his yard, his car, and of course, inside. According to the search warrant, in addition to a possible connection to Jackie's murder, he's also suspected on child sexual abuse material charges. A search of his electronic devices confirmed that this was unfortunately true, and Charles now had those charges leveled against him, in addition to being the sole suspect in Jackie's murder. And the searches of Charles's home just revealed more damning evidence. Inside his trash was the black canvas Texas Woman's University tote that Jackie had been wearing the day that she disappeared. And from inside his white Mitsubishi Outlander, they recovered a clear zip tie with Jackie's hair on it. At this point, there's really nothing you can do or say to get out of this. Exactly, but also, they found a cell phone battery believed to be from Jackie's phone, a stun gun that had Jackie's DNA on it, and then they also found condoms and erectile dysfunction medication. Inside Charles's home, they removed multiple guns, knives, and ammunition. 
The FBI stepped in to assist in searching the property and removed six samples of soil from Charles's backyard and close to 20 swabs of his DNA. When investigators spoke to his neighbors about his behavior in the days before and after Jackie's murder, one neighbor confirmed that Charles used his inflatable blue kiddie pool in his backyard and that it's now missing. Of course. Come on. So near the circle of depressed ground where the pool had been, they found a piece of Jackie's bone. Another informant came forward stating that they had been in the vicinity of Acorn Woods Park on the morning Jackie's body was recovered. And this witness claimed to have seen a man lurking in the brush near where her body was found. And that the man then took off in a light-colored SUV, which obviously matched the description of Charles's vehicle. Meanwhile, with Charles in custody but no confession... Police brought in a member of the Texas Rangers in hopes of coaxing more information out of him. And when they ran his background check before questioning him, they discovered that he had a protective order placed against him from another woman the day after Jackie was murdered. With how busy our schedules are, Heath and I are constantly ordering food and groceries from DoorDash. It just saves us a ton of time when we can't run to the store for ingredients or don't feel like cooking and want delicious takeout instead. But delivery fees can definitely add up. And this is why we have Dash Pass by DoorDash. Dash Pass is an exclusive membership from DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders as well as member-only deals and discounts. Which is why DashPass is the most affordable way to get anything and everything you need delivered right to your door, and fast, for just $9.99 a month. Which means DoorDash quickly pays for itself in just two orders on average. So whether you order every day or just a couple of times a month, you'll save with DashPass. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for Dash Pass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. I absolutely love Shopify. I launched my coffee company, Elders Coffee, with Shopify in December, and it has been such an amazing process. I seriously could not recommend Shopify more. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. And they really do. So what are you waiting for? Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash going west, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash going west to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash going west. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. 
for award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. So before that quick break, Daphne was telling us that Charles actually had a protective order out against him from another woman. And so that story goes basically three months prior to Jackie's murder in June of 2016. Charles, who was 29 at the time, and 18-year-old college student Caitlin Mathis met and then they began dating. Caitlin, who had just graduated from high school, was headed to the University of North Texas in the fall and in the meantime was working as a server at Buffalo Wild Wings in Grapevine. 
It was there that they met the day after Caitlin graduated high school. Though he was 11 years her senior, Caitlin fell for Charles quickly, describing him as, quote, smooth-talking and charming, and said that she was drawn to his muscles and also his tattoos. The two enjoyed their budding romance, but within weeks, Caitlin began to notice warning signs of narcissism. Caitlin claims that Charles was quick to become jealous and that he would often contact her obsessively and pick fights with her when she made plans that didn't involve him. So basically after this, Caitlin just kind of started falling out of love with Charles. And she was also scared about what he would do if he became angry with her. By mid-August, after less than two months together, Caitlin broke things off with Charles. But he was definitely not ready to give up. So the following day, he showed up at her family's house to beg for her forgiveness and ask her to take him back. He promised that he would work on himself and swore that he would be a better partner to her. And apparently whatever he said to her was convincing enough because she agreed to get back together. But of course, it did not last. About a week later, Caitlin left for the University of North Texas in Denton, where Jackie later disappeared from. She still had her doubts about Charles and decided that she needed to break things off for a fresh start at her new school. She ended things with Charles once and for all via text this time, and she basically did this so that he couldn't try to convince her to stay. Caitlin then happily moved into her new dorm, ready to put her tumultuous relationship with Charles behind her. But once again, Charles was just not ready to take no for an answer. He raced to her college campus to persuade her to take him back, Driving erratically, he was pulled over by a campus police officer and was issued a traffic citation. But because he hadn't been drinking, he was then released. As soon as he was left alone by police, he continued to search for Caitlin. And somehow he actually tracked her down and figured out which dorm she was in. So after finding her building, he later told police that he wandered the halls until he found the door with her name on it. He pounded on the door flowers in hand, pleading and begging her to take him back. But Caitlin refused, and was so alarmed by the situation that she called campus security to have him removed from the premises. Caitlin was now aware of how manipulative and scary Charles could be when he wasn't getting what he wanted. But since he had already set his sights on her, it seemed as if it was too late to reason with him. Caitlin blocked his phone number and also his email, as well as all of his social media accounts, but this guy just doesn't seem like he wants to stop. Well, the day after Charles's surprise visit, Caitlin spoke with campus police, who were now very well aware of the situation, following two run-ins with Charles from the day prior. So police issued a no trespass order banning him from the University of North Texas campus completely. But still, that did not stop Charles. Because a week later, he showed up at the restaurant that she was working at just hoping to talk to her. And her coworkers even told her that he had been there the day prior as well. So terrified, Caitlin just completely quit her job that evening and went back to working in her hometown, which was half an hour away, just in hope that he wouldn't track her down there. On September 6th, 2016, Charles, who is now 30 years old, again showed up at Caitlin's dorm, violating the protective order, obviously. And while he knocked on the door and pleaded for her to come talk to him, Caitlin hid in the closet and called the police. But frustratingly, by the time they arrived, Charles was gone. He left behind the flowers and a lengthy note, 
but thankfully police were able to track him down and he was actually still like lurking around on campus and that's where they arrested him. But Charles made bail and was released mere hours later. And this is extra frustrating because this is only one week before he met Jacqueline and before she would subsequently be murdered. So just take that into account here. So after he was released, he continued to make new accounts on social media and via email to get in touch with Caitlin. And he emailed her from an email that she didn't recognize, writing, quote, Here I am, heartbroken and with a criminal record for bringing the girl I love flowers. Dude, it was way more than that. Yeah, chill out. But that just shows, like, his state of mind. Like, he clearly doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. Yeah. And he's legitimately stalking this woman. Yeah, he's trying to play the victim now. Like, oh, like, I'm such a good guy, and now I'm a criminal because you wouldn't let me bring you flowers. Like, she told you to fuck off. Leave her alone. Yeah, for real. So that same day on Facebook, he wrote, quote, There's no reason if you speak to him, he's suffering and very much in love. Unrequited love kills more people than cancer every year. And in matters of the heart, people do foolish things. I'm not shallow or seduced by cheap glamour. I value substance and character. What is age? What is time? Nothing means anything if you're actually in love. Sleepless nights and distracted days, I speak of platitudes. When it's right, you just know it. Trials are inevitable, but love, well... It can conquer all. The strange thing here is that this is a 30-year-old man, and not that, you know, there needs to be a huge thing about age difference, but she's a freshman in her college dorm. She's trying to, you know, be an 18-year-old going to college, and you're like this sad 30-year-old man who's stalking her. Like, figure it out, man. Yeah, like, she doesn't like you, dude. Move on. Yeah, so basically, after this, a few days later, he posted again, and he said, quote, Foolish thoughts, he said to himself, trying to hide the pain and embracing another half-heartedly. So while he cast himself as the scorned lover and the hero of his tale, Caitlin lived in paralyzing fear of this guy. Charles seemed to be spiraling out of control, and she didn't know how dangerous he could actually be. Caitlin later described this harrowing time, saying, quote, I think that he really wanted to kill me. I think that he wanted me dead. After his release from jail, police sought him out at his home and arrested him for breaking the protective order by continuing to reach out to Caitlin. So he was arrested for the third time in two weeks. But again, of course, he posted bail and he was released. Then, just days later... He found himself sitting at a bar on Avenue A in Denton when Jackie Vandegrift walked in that fateful evening. Police now believe that he may have actually been hoping to run into Caitlin that night, as he knew her dorm was just a half a mile or eight-tenths of a kilometer away. And also, that strip of bars in Denton was a notorious hangout for local college students. But instead of finding Caitlin, he met Jackie. The day after Jackie's murder, September 14th, 2016, Charles again began reaching out to Caitlin via email, writing her, quote, I'm not going to lie, I miss you, as well as sending her a picture of a tree at Grapevine Lake. And this is where he and Caitlin used to picnic, but also near where he dumped Jackie's body with the message, quote, First kiss under this tree once upon a time, XXO. 
And this Caitlin backstory just really fills in all the gaps because when we look back at Jackie's murder and now we know that he was this heartbroken, angry person and everything that we know that was done to Jackie was done by somebody who was very, very angry and probably not at Jackie, but at somebody else. Right. Possibly Caitlin, of course. And that's why... You know, when we were talking about the fact that this seems like a very personal murder because of how, you know, brutal it was, it's possible that he was just taking out all this rage and anger and, like, revenge on Jackie. Exactly. Like, it totally clicks in, obviously, the most disturbing way. So, Charles sat down with Texas Ranger James Holland, who is notorious for getting confessions out of serial killers. And initially... Charles kind of played dumb and claimed that he remembered seeing Jackie at the bar on the evening that she was killed, but that he had no further information to offer them. Like, he didn't see her after that. They didn't continue talking, etc. But when they revealed that they had recovered her bag from his trash, he had no explanation and continued to play dumb. Then, they revealed how much more they knew about the situation than what Charles had thought. In addition to the surveillance footage from the bar that night... They had footage of Charles at a Walmart purchasing a shovel at 4 a.m. on the morning that Jackie's body was found. Like, how much more suspicious can you get? Right, yeah. Purchasing a shovel at 4 a.m. In the middle of the night, what are you doing? So when asked why he had been there, he said, quote, I can't recall. But with this information, his facade just began to crack. And he explained that because it had been raining that evening when they left the bar, He may have offered Jackie a ride home. Oh, he may have. Yeah, may have. He wasn't quite sure. But finally, after hours of interrogation, he explained that he and Jackie had engaged in consensual sex in Charles's car and that she had asked him to choke her with a zip tie during the act. I feel like we've heard this same excuse before in another case that we covered. I think it was a case uh, for Patreon out of Canada, but basically this guy was like, Oh, yeah, she she wanted me to choke her during sex, and, yes. and that's how I killed her. It's like... Tale as old as time. Uh, tale as old as time. Come yeah, on. Like, but that's, that's how they can kind of justify, like, oh, well, she wanted it. Of course. So Charles claimed that the zip tie had snagged on something and that it had tightened by accident, which was unbeknownst to him, uh, until she, you know, kind of, like, lost consciousness. Now, the story that he was telling investigators really started to unravel here because... According to Charles, Jackie was unresponsive, so he started to shake her. Apparently panicked and facing what he explained away as a tragic accident, he said he drove her back to his house, which happened to be in Hazlitt, where Jackie's cell phone last pinged. He then drove her body back to his house, where he wrapped her in garbage bags, put her in the kiddie pool, and then dropped her along the trail leading to Grapevine Lake inside Acorn Woods Park. Okay, but then how was she basically uh, mutilated? Like you tried to take her heart out of her chest. Exactly. And also, if you accidentally killed somebody with during what you're saying is consensual and something she's asking you to do, you take her body, you wrap it in trash bags, and you burn it, and you put it in the woods. like Right. And then you're a mutilation point. So he purchased the shovel at Walmart in kind of an attempt to dig a shallow grave for her. But when the ground proved to be too dense to pierce, he burned her instead. 
After hours of interrogation, though, he finally fully broke down, but he maintained still that it was an accident, and he said, I can't fight it. It's obviously me. But, yeah. and then We know. <laughs> we, then we also have to talk about, you know, the fact that her heart was removed. Yeah. What, how do you explain that? Well, and, you know, despite this whole confession, investigators were just obviously not satisfied with this whole story that he was giving them. So they decided to ask him about Caitlin. Specifically, they wondered if he had pursued Jackie that night because he was waiting at the bar for Caitlin and only went after Jackie because she bore a passing resemblance to Caitlin. That and or she was just a girl giving him attention? Sure, yeah. And and we see this sometimes. We've seen this uh, with other serial killers where they tend to go after victims that look like, you know, a past uh, girlfriend, right, uh, you yeah. know, stuff like that. They usually kind of pick people that look similar. So... The horrifying news of Jackie's death sadly didn't come as much of a surprise to Caitlin, who had known that he was capable of something like this all along. But it was a complete shock to her to learn that she was already friends with Jackie on Facebook. This is how creepy this gets. Caitlin reported that after Jackie's death, she had received a friend request on Facebook from Jackie, who she didn't know, and she later realized that it was Charles keeping tabs on her. Obviously, Charles denied this and made light of the allegations of stalking altogether, claiming that his obsessive behavior and fixations were because, you know, he had been molested as a child. But despite his claim that Jackie's death had been an accident and that his stalking of Caitlin was all just a misunderstanding, on September 19th, 2016, four days after Jackie's body was found, Charles was officially charged with Jackie Vandergriff's murder. As expected, he pleaded not guilty, claiming that it was a simple accident that occurred during consensual sex. However, according to the medical examiner's report, there was no evidence of a sexual encounter at all. So Charles's lawyer, whose name is Glynis McGinty, built her case on Charles's claim that Jackie had asked him to choke her during what she described as kinky sex and that he had obliged. She strangled herself by accident, and he panicked when he realized that she was unresponsive. They also claimed that he should have called for help, but that he had been drinking and was in shock, so instead of reporting her death or even attempting to seek help, he just tried to cover it up. Glennis claimed that his only charge should be for tampering with evidence, and Charles's legal team also perpetuated the story that his obsession with Caitlin had nothing to do with Jackie's murder. Oh my God, such bullshit. Yeah, but even Caitlin herself disputed this, saying, quote, how he was stalking me was completely related to Jackie Vandegrift's death. And the prosecutors, of course, agreed. They called Charles calculated and an evil, destructive figure. According to the prosecution, the narrative that the defense was painting that, you know, it was just an accident and a hurried disposal just born out of sheer panic, was totally ludicrous. Prosecution lawyer Lucas Allen said to the court, quote, Why cut out the heart? What does it have to do with disposing of a body? He cut her heart out. I want that image to sink in. Exactly. That's what we've been talking about here. Yeah, it's like a huge point of this story. It's a huge piece of it. Like, the defense that they had been engaging in consensual sexual relations was shaky at best, as there was no evidence to suggest that theory. And there was no DNA found on Jackie, there was no condom that was recovered, and the blow that she had sustained to her head before she was strangled 
was so forceful that it could not have been an accident during sex. The prosecution, on behalf of Jackie, instead painted a picture of a cruel and relentless killer taking advantage of an opportunity to prey on an innocent victim, luring her to his car under the guise of giving her a ride home, and then stabbing her, clubbing her on the head, and strangling her with a zip tie. And what he did to her body afterwards, obviously, was even more heinous. Lucas Allen continued, quote, If the purpose is to dispose of a body, why are you cutting out the heart? Unfortunately, Caitlin was forbidden by the judge to testify, with Charles's legal team saying that there was no direct link between the two women, despite Charles's involvement with both of them and his behavior towards both of them. But Caitlin's account of Charles's treatment of her was arguably the strongest defense that the prosecution had and was a huge loss at the trial. But despite her testimony being forcibly omitted, the judge and jury still ruled in favor of a life sentence. So on Monday, April 16th, 2018, Charles was sentenced to life in prison. Jackie's parents, Rick and Sonia, and her sister Jenny opted to stay out of this for the most part, just citing that it was still too difficult to talk about. Her dad claimed in his testimony that they hadn't celebrated a single birthday, holiday, or occasion since Jackie was taken from them. He said, quote, We just can't celebrate it in the house and look at her chair. Jackie's uncle Randy read a statement on behalf of her family as they found it, like I said, just too taxing to do so. So Randy read, quote, Although it has been 19 months since we lost our precious daughter, not a minute, hour, or day goes by that we do not think of her, her kindness, her compassion, her enthusiasm and love of life. What would Jackie say if we could talk to her? She would say, remember me, remember my hopes and my dreams for the future and my plans to get there. In her memory, her family established a scholarship for fellow nutrition majors at Texas Women's University which they called the Jacqueline Ray Vandergriff Endowment. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you, guys, and thank you for being patient. I know this episode is coming out late. We were hanging out with some families, so we appreciate your patience here. And we will also see you on Tuesday for another new episode for you guys to dive into. Yeah, just a couple more days. We'll have a new one for you. And um, we're going to be getting the first of two bonus episodes out this month on Apple Podcast subscriptions and on Patreon. We released two last month as we have been for, I mean, at this point, it's been like four years. Yeah. So we have over 90 bonus episodes for you guys that you can subscribe to and get if you're looking for more content. It is going to be a busy next couple months for us because we've got our wedding coming up in September. We're so excited. But we're not going to forget about you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to just try and get all of those episodes out as needed and on time. But we love you guys, and thank you so much for listening. And also, if you want to leave us a review, please do. Um, We do read those. It makes our day. So, uh, yeah. Especially if they're nice. Especially if they're nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Not like, oh, these guys fucking suck. (laughs) We do get that sometimes. (laughs) We do get that, yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.